Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rise Podcast. If you've listened to our last episode, you'll recall that Andy and I said that we were going to do a zombie apocalypse episode. And goddamn, if we are not making good on that progress, promise, not progress, back in the guest <laughs> chair. Back in the guest chair is Andy. Say hello, Andy. Hello, wonderful people. Yeah, so it's good to have Andy back. Uh, and in case, still going to do some quick shameless plugs. I am Matt, aka the Deadly Showman, and I am joined by Andy. And if you listen to our last episode, she was trying to determine her online name. And Andy, I believe you've locked it in finally. I do, I do. I am Andy, aka Rocket Lines. Uh, I think it's a super cool upgrade from whatever works. Uh, and I've only claimed a Twitch channel. Hopefully, I can claim all the others before this one comes out. But yeah, I, I chose Rocket Lines as my alias. Rocket Lines, I like it. Rocket, what were you doing that round? <laughs> I was not in the vent, sir. Mm. <laughs> you can't prove anything. Suspect, suspect, suspect. Sust. I'm so sus. <laughs> yes. All right, but. This podcast, this will be the first one. We're not talking about anything gaming related. I said, I think in the very first episode I did with Tarouge, like we want this to be pretty open and free form. So today it's the zombie apocalypse. And I think <laughs> Andy and I are uniquely qualified to talk about this subject because Andy, well, Andy, you go first. Why are you uniquely qualified to talk about this? Oh man. Okay. So I don't know if I've told you this, but my mom and I have been preparing for some kind of apocalypse for the past like 10-ish years to the point where my mom for Christmas one year gave me a box of MREs to put under my bed, you know, in case of emergencies. For for our audience who doesn't know what that is, that's meals ready to eat. And they are really bad for your body after like, you know, the fifth week. But if you're in an apocalypse setting, it's like packed in with 5,000 calories a meal of pure sugar. It's, it's, it's insane. We've had one once. Uh, the coffee was not that good, but you know, coffee in the apocalypse, I'll take it. Uh, so that's one qualification I have. Uh, another one is I'm currently writing a book, which I don't have a title for it yet, but it's uh, a big zombie apocalypse book. It's based in Maryland at first, and it's attempting to get the this group of survivors across the Mississippi before the bombing and the eating starts basically on the East Coast. And, you know, I've had to do a lot of research to make sure that everything is factually and realistic as it can be uh, in an apocalyptic zombie setting you know, as zombies are pretty fictitious, as we are led to believe by the government. But that's another topic, I think. Uh, <laughs> Do you trust the that. United States government? Okay, no, we're not We're not going down that <laughs> rabbit hole. We are not going down that rabbit hole. Let's not. Oh, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, that's a different, that's a different podcast. But anyway, so yeah. Uh, and also, I'm just really into zombie lore. I, I really appreciate zombie films. I've watched a fair few of them. Uh, I was really into The Walking Dead in 2012, uh, which I feel like everyone is at this point, so it's not a huge credibility point. Um, but I, I just, I really look forward to learning more about zombie lore, and uh, I'm always thinking about it. Every time I'm in a new location, I'm just like, huh, how would I escape this right here, right now? And I don't know. I think, I think that makes me a little bit qualified to, to speculate. But yeah, those those are my credentials. Matt, what about you? What credentials do you got? All right, so I have watched many a zombie movie film. I'm an avid movie and TV buff, so definitely there. Uh, then, of course, as a gamer, I played, God knows how many zombie games. I played the, is The Last of Us a zombie game? That's a different debate for a different time, but I played so many zombie games, whether it's the <laughs> classic Call of Duty zombies, which aren't really zombies, or actual like zombie survival games. 
Then. But okay, okay, side tangent though, let's be real. If you play Call of Duty Black Ops 2 or 3 zombies, you were 100% qualified for the apocalypse. I'm just letting you know right here. You you know how to properly train zombies in the apocalypse. Just keep running around an open area, let them all jump up, and then you just pull your ray gun down and kill them. That's exactly, exactly. how I Exactly. The ray gun is the most important part of the apocalypse. That's all it, I'm saying. That's what I'm going to do in real life too, Andy. I have my ray gun ready to go. Actually, I got to find the mystery <laughs> box first. Then I can get my ray gun. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. And then also on top of all that, uh, so me and Andy both went to the University of Maryland and at the University of Maryland, I took, and this is true, a class called Zombies, Fear, and Contagion, How, Why, and When. It explored the entire history of zombie lore, zombie culture, where it started, how it evolved to like a creature that eats your brains and, or the undead. And as a part of that class, again, I shit you not, I had to work with a team for a zombie preparedness plan about what we would do in the event of a zombie apocalypse. During that preparedness plan, there came a point where I had to chop off my own goddamn hand. All right. Ah! I as a part of this like class slash project, I had to chop off my own hand. Not really chop off my own hand, like in in like this fictional situation. Okay, wait. Question: Was it your dominant hand or your non-dominant hand? Non-dominant hand. Non-dominant okay. hand. I can just imagine you in your zombie class, you know, role playing your roles and you just being like, oh man, teach, can't take notes. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, I would, why aren't you taking notes? Listen, I would, but I had to chop off my dominant hand and I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to write with my left one. <laughs> Who needs to be ambidextrous in the apocalypse? Am I right? Exactly. Okay. Anyway, I so also want, I also want to plug in though, that I had recently been playing zombies run which I'm not sure if you've played this, Matt, but as you're running, it'll keep track of how many miles you've done and let you collect supplies for your base uh, and interject in your music with like little clips of the zombies are right behind you, might And just, you know, keep keep going in with the uh, motivation via zombies are chasing you vibe. So I, I've been listening to that at least for the past few weeks as I've been going my runs. So that, that's a little bit of credibility that I have. I don't know why, but the idea that that guy motivating you is Australian makes me more motivated. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I hope I got the accent right. I hope I did it justice. Eh, close enough. All right, but moving on. Before we jump into the podcast, we have a bit of a layout here. We need to establish one thing first, and that is in all these fictional situations, all these theoretical, these plays, whatever you want to call them that we're going to be feeling out, what type of zombie are we dealing with? Because there is no one true universal zombie there are ones that there's the classic zombie it bites you you slowly turn into a zombie yeah there's one where if you there's the walking dead zombie where everyone's infected and once you die uh you come back as a zombie there is the last of us where it's like a spungle for uh a spungle a fungal spore that either a no it's a fungal for it's it's a spungle for it's a spungle for <laughs> that if you breathe it in it, it begins to infect you or if the zombie bites you that same spore is transmitted through fluids and there's just in viruses in general, how, how they transmit. So, Andy, how do we want to define our zombie virus, bacteria, fungus? What are we rolling with here? Ah, oh, man, that's a good question. So the way that I've been defining my zombie genres is a chart that I found via Google search. Uh, I basically said a zombie chart and it gave me a how dangerous is a zombie uh, kind of scale. And the, the main contenders for this are if the zombie is like smart and dumb 
or smart or dumb versus if it, they are slow and fast. And that's pretty much how the movies depict it. And of course, the infection rate really like depends on how quickly this spreads. So we can talk more about uh, how uh, the zombie virus spreads. But I, I also want to really touch on how the zombie acts once like they have a horde, once they're infected. And I think that's like the second question we should ask. But um, to answer your question on like how this spreads, I think the standard of there are zombies somehow, you know, maybe it was a virus, maybe just something mutated. But the point is that there is one zombie and they've infected somebody, they've infected some group of people, some ever which way. And it's it's spread to the point where now there is like a force that is trying to infect the populace. Uh, and I think I think it plays an important role the way that this spreads. Obviously, you can have bite. Obviously, you can have scratch. But I think the way that the virus is introduced in that bite matters for when you're talking about airborne spreading or fluid spreading. And uh, to the point where is the populace infected? Are they carriers? Or is it just a thing that's uh, zombie to human transfer? Uh, which one do you think? Hmm. I'm thinking... Let's go with maybe zombie to human transfer because I think the notion that everyone is infected off the bat, that's a, I've only seen that in The Walking Dead so far. Maybe I haven't seen enough. there. And there are a few movies I've seen where like someone's like a silent carrier where like the virus doesn't affect them or it's like in the background. I think it's smart that everyone is initially healthy and then once the virus enters their system, then they are zombified. I think that's a good jumping off point. All right, okay, infected their system. How do you want it to infect their system? The way that I've seen it is via blood, body fluids, air, uh, sporous, uh, sporous, spores, what, what did you call them? <laughs> uh, spungal fours, fours. Spungal fours, yeah, fungal spores. Uh, you know, if it's, is it a fungus, is it a bacteria, or is it a virus? I, I think virus is the best bet in this case because we always say zombie virus yeah this virus is good because if it's a bacteria that means antibiotics can possibly be used to kill it virus there's no way to cure a virus once you got it you got it i think that creates okay. good good ultimatums okay okay then if we're treating it like a virus we got to treat it like standard day viruses i'm talking about hpv i guess hiv aids and if we're talking more viruses like you know the recent pandemic is a good contender for a virus. Uh, in which case, which which uh, standard do you want to choose? Do you want to choose like bodily fluids where uh, pretty much blood sharing or sex will transmit the disease? Or do you want to do uh, like spit and like hand-to-hand -hand contact and something that would basically like, you need to be very, uh, I guess, nitty gritty when it comes to your cleanliness routines. I think bodily fluids is a good way to go because, again, like if the zombie's affecting a human, it's probably if someone's having sex with a zombie, listen, you do you. Okay. More, more power to okay, you. Sir. <laughs> more power to you. I know necrophilia might be a thing, but let's not do it in the case of zombies, sirs. <laughs> okay, so I think bodily fluids is good. That means blood, saliva, and it needs to enter your bloodstream. That is key. So, like, if someone, yes. if the zombie licked your face for whatever reason, you wouldn't be infected. But if it bites you, if it breaks your skin, it draws blood, now you're infected. I think that's a good way to roll. Yeah. And that can be, it could scratch you, it opens up your bloodstream, again, you get infected. Um, you could swallow, you could zomb swall swallow zombie blood. Swallow what of a zombie, Matt? I said zombie blood. You all, you all heard me say swallow <laughs> zombie blood. You all heard me say it. Okay. 
Okay, yeah. So the blood enters your bloodstream or your system in some way. So now that we've kind of identified that, we've made it so that, you know, you can protect yourself from zombies invading your bloodstream. Uh, you can uh, protect yourself by surrounding yourself with other humans. I think we've identified that. Um, what happens when you die? I don't think you turn into a zombie. You just die. I think you just, uh, you die. Once your core, if the brain is dead, let's say a zombie bites you right as you're dying. If the virus has something to work with, it'll keep living. But if you're dead, it cannot reanimate you. Let's go with that. Okay. In which case, is this really a zombie or is this just a cannibalistic virus? I know. Zombie is supposed to mean the undead. Like you come back from death. Do we maybe want to adopt a walking dead model sort of where if it bites you, it kills you and then you turn into it? Yeah, maybe this is like an attacking virus thing and then the virus takes over. I like that point. I like that where it will kill the virus will kill you and then reanimate your dead body. Everyone's not infected to start, but kind of like the walking dead when the zombies bite people, they kill them. And then that same virus, let's say, brings you back to life. So you have some, you won't magically transform. You'll die and then come back. So let's say you're a survivor and you know someone's been bitten. You have some time to figure things out. I like it. Okay. And I I do think that, uh, you know, we don't know these things ahead of time. Let's say this type of zombie apocalypse happens right now. We won't know that it's not transmittable via spit or it's, uh, or that we don't all have it inherently. And if we die, we go, you know, exactly. Uh, so we need to figure these things out pretty soon. So, so, uh, what, what's the next question that you got? All right. Next question. I'm going to set up the scenario. We are, let's say a couple, the first zombie has started infecting other people where maybe a couple weeks in, the news is starting to report cases of people biting. There's a lot of death in the hospital. People are being reanimated, but it's mostly fluff news stories. No one really believes this. Maybe the government secretly knows what's going on, but the average populace is thinking this is not real. But you and I, we think this is maybe a little bit more serious. We're going to start from that jumping off point where maybe... 80% of people are not taking this seriously, which honestly is just good for most viruses in general, the way we've seen COVID play out. Most people <laughs> don't take things very seriously. But 20% of people are taking it seriously. They think this is something to be concerned about. Let's start there. And the first thing we're going to say is, in the honor of a great zombie movie, what are you doing in the first 28 days? 28 days later, where do you want to be? Oh, man. Are we including uh, the first 28 days to get to the 28th day? Like, am I am I like telling you what I'm doing to prepare? You can tell me everything you've done to prepare to this point. Let's say everything you've done up to now counts. Where are you going from here? I, I honestly, like, it all depends on how you react to the virus in the first 28 days. Um, it depends on how fast acting the virus is as well. And so if it is just, are you going to get infected via a random zombie coming in and biting you in the ass? Or is it a horde coming in and all of a sudden you, you're mass panic? Uh, and I, I'm going to take it as like it happens overnight and you wake up and the world is on fire. Uh, and that, that's kind of how I'm treating the zombie apocalypse happened. In my case, I need to know what the current state of the world is and where are my escape routes. Hopefully in the next 28 days I'll be alive. And so in the first week, I need to get out of immediate danger. If I were holed up in, so the case that I'm taking in is I live in a city. I live pretty close to millions of people, maybe thousands. Uh, <laughs> I live pretty close to tons of thousands of people. And that, that leaves like a lot of room for, for spreading the virus. And so in my case, I want to get a way to protect myself. I want to uh, find a group of people that are going to protect me 
In this case, maybe that means waiting out for the military. I'm going to make sure that I have all of the supplies I need, like soup and uh, non-perishable food items uh, in my possession in order to survive the next few weeks. Uh, I know for me that I can go on like, let's say like 600 calories a day. Not saying you should, please don't do that. I have a lot of vitamins in my cabinet. I have a lot of, uh, you know, soups in my kitchen, I can pretty much survive for three to four weeks in just my apartment alone. I do have floor to ceiling windows though, so I'm gonna have to close those up. (laughs) But I pretty much hole up for the first four weeks until the chaos kind of settles down. Uh, Because especially in a city, everything's so volatile. I'll want to not only escape the city as soon as possible, but escape it without there being such a hubbub of you know, chaos going on. And so I just hunkered down in my apartment. Uh, But let's say I'm in, you know, my parents' house uh, because of quarantine, I've been living at home uh, because, you know, why live alone when you can live at home uh, if you have a like really good family situation. And so if I were to be here in my family's home, I've told you before, my mother has been preparing for the apocalypse <laughs> because she she listens to audiobooks of uh, like Mark Tufoe, um you know, that's actually the only zombie author I know, but (laughs) she listens to a bunch of zombie books and fantasy novels. And so she's, and actually for Christmas this year, please don't tell anybody except unless this is after Christmas, but I got her a solar panel water heater for Christmas. That's like super portable. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I hope I hope she didn't hear that. All right, hope, uh, don't share the podcast with your mom. Whatever you do, of course not. Uh, after Christmas, after Christmas. Um, but yeah, so I got that for her for Christmas, and it's very reminiscent of all the other things that we've gotten her in the past few years. And so, uh, not only that, but we live in Maryland, and like most of Maryland is pro-gun, as far as I see. Uh, but my dad's ex-military. My brother is part of the Maryland Shooting Club, and so we have uh, some guns in the house that are you know locked away. My we all have like my dad has his license and everything and so we we have some weapons on hand i think we would all hunker down in the house we would divvy up rations we have a jeep wrangler we'd probably go into the wilderness of virginia and we'd probably be fine uh, if i'm honest but yeah, yeah yeah so in that case for the first uh 28 days we would just make sure we have all our rations make sure we have all our weapons you know uh we have some radios in place. Uh, we have some survival material. We would just make sure that we are up to date on all the information of what's happening. The only problem is that we are within 20 miles of the DC area. And if someone bombs DC because of massive outbreak of virus, uh, you know, a la The Last of Us, um, when they start bombing cities, then we are potentially at risk if there is a, an atomic bomb of sorts going off on DC. All right, I want to so make this. Oh, sorry, I want to make this very clear to everyone listening. This is all theoretical zombie apocalypse. This is all theoretical zombie apocalypse. I'm going to say that I'm two times. Saying, <laughs> my gosh, I can't believe you have to disclaimer. Of course, this is just for zombie apocalypse. But realistically, if you're within 20 miles of a city that could be bombed by a hydrogen bomb, like that's that's bad news. You know, that's just that's that's a realistic thing. That's general life advice. If you're within 20 miles of a city that could be a bombed bad time. Absolutely bad time. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so that's that's just me 
living in this house. And I think in the first 28 days, uh, let's say I were in like a situation that I had to get out really fast. Like let's say I'm in a city, but everything's overrun. In my case, the the things that I'd want to do is potentially hole up in a library. Um, if there, if I was out and about and the zombie apocalypse happened and I couldn't get back to my house where I know I'm safe, then I'd potentially find a library where there's a bunch of information and you know, great entertainment in the form of books. Uh, and I'd, uh, and usually libraries are used as bomb shelters. Um, so I know that I'd definitely be safe from break-ins and everything. A library is a good like resource to go to. I'd also make sure that I have my Canadian tuxedo in case I have to go out and about. Uh, and in that <laughs> case, that's like the jean jacket and jean pants ensemble where, uh, that, you know, it's standard Canadian tuxedo. But uh, from what I've read, if you're if you're trying to get bit by zombies or trying not to get bit by zombies, I should say, like, yes, they can still hurt, but they at least won't puncture your skin if you're wearing a jean jacket and pair that with duct tape. You're pretty much safe from like any kind of infection. So, yes, it's a lot more dangerous and you can die from other ways like suffocation of like hematomas or hemorrhaging um, that comes with getting bit or mauled by zombies. But at least it won't break your skin and you won't get infected. So th those are some other things to worry about when, you know, going out and about in the tw first 28 days. Um, the last few things that I can think of are like make sure that I have some type of radio that can connect to military broadband, which would be a military radio. So it might be a little bit far fetched, but I want to make sure that I'm like up to date on any things that happen in the military just to make sure like, you know, if, if they're moving people about, I want to be there when they do the supply drop. I want to be there when they evacuate. Um, you know, and that, that's like the easiest thing I can think of to get that information. Uh, on top of that, make sure I have a souped up car. Like I said here, we have a Jeep Wrangler in Maryland, so I'm pretty set there. But in Seattle, I have a Hyundai Elantra from 2012. Like, uh, that's not super souped up. I'm just going to say it here. Matt, you've been in my car. It's, it's a cheesy car. <laughs> it is an absolute unit of a car. It's a beautiful car. It's red. Its name is Roxy, but it's not ready for the apocalypse. It's clean, though. It, it smells like midnight thunder. I, I bought... <laughs> I Very bought guys, this... remember, zombie apocalypse, make sure your car smells like midnight thunder. <laughs> but yeah, I went to Target, and the scent was called midnight thunder, and I thought it was cool. My car smells like midnight thunder now. <laughs> but yeah. I but like yeah. the idea that some... Unrelated, somebody was sitting in a boardroom like, what do we call it? And then some guy burst in through the door, whipped off his shades, midnight thunder, and he just walked <laughs> out. Yeah, that's probably exactly how it went. But anyway, my car smells just like that, um, and it's not suitable for the apocalypse at all. <laughs> but yeah, the last thing is just weapons. And if I were in Seattle, I did play softball, so I have some baseball bats. I would just tape a bunch of nails to my baseball bat and hope for the best. How very Negan and of you. Thank you. But also, uh, I don't like Negan's character, but we're not going to go into that. So uh, that's, that, that's, those are those are all my cents in my dollar bill. All right. I agree with you on some things. I disagree with you on other things. For me. Can I hear? Can I hear what you disagree with first? I, I really want to refute this. All right. So where? let's say you're going for the library. Which library? Like, where is your library? That's my question. Is it like a library in Seattle or... Well, there is a national library in Seattle. If we were coming to, going to be in Maryland, I would just stay at home. If I were out and about in Maryland, I'd probably go to the, you know, the library that's in my hometown because they they re they redid it as a bomb shelter. 
But in Seattle's case, their library is like, you know, a bunch of concrete masked in bricks and it just looks super sturdy. All right. I disagree. My one disagreement there is staying inside of a city. In any type of infection, city equals more people, more people equals easier spread, easier spread equals I'm becoming a zombie. I want to but, get out of a city. But let me refute this with like, it's so hard to escape a city. Like if there's so many cars on I-5, like I can only get out by walking and there's already so many people that are infected. At that point, you need to hunker down until the zombies either leave or someone comes to get you. Well, let's remember, we're only dealing with, it's an 80-20 split. Only 20% of people are actually taking it seriously. I mean, that's fair. But if 20 people are taking it seriously, then that means 80% of people are going to become zombies. That, I think, honestly, that seems like a pretty fair number to me. We're being right. generous. Most of these shows and games have like 99% of the population is now zombies, 1% human. We're being very generous to humanity. Okay, so let's say that we have, what, 100,000 people in the city of Seattle. That means 20,000 are taking this seriously and 80,000 are going to become zombies. Let's say for some example that maybe 10,000 of that 80% are safe. Now we have 30,000 to 70,000 zombies. If one person kills at least two or three zombies, then humans win. That's bold of you to assume people are capable. I, I take the side that people are not capable and that those, <laughs> like, yes, the 20% is going to try to take it seriously, but not everyone is capable. People are going that's, to just naturally die. Or but what about the military? I guess, would they leave cities? Would they just completely abandon cities? It depends. Now, again, this goes back to the government. They might, you might say, no, they would never, no, they would never leave people to die. They're going to try their best. Mm, no, zombie apocalypse. Let's not forget, the government has a zombie preparedness plan. This is a true fact. The government has a zombie preparedness plan. Something tells me deep, deep down that if they had to choose between trying to save the city and curbing the infection, that they curb the infection. I'm actually curious, and I looked this up right now, what the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says about zombie preparedness. Uh, and they have a lot of notes on it. Uh, we, we can check this after, but I'm genuinely curious now. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I'm glad the government has a plan. I always pre prepare for anything. That's my motto, no matter how crazy it is. I'd rather they have a plan than not have one. At the same time, it is so funny that the government has a plan. I can't, <laughs> they took government resources to make a plan. Oh, my God. I mean, I think it was OK. I, I have an inkling that the zombie apocalypse preparedness thing for the CDC is like a way to get people knowledgeable about what happens when a massive outbreak happens. And let's take, for instance, stay indoors. What a great concept. I think it's paid off tremendously. Oh, you're talking, yes. Oh, yes. I think that stay indoors concept has worked for those who have actually listened to stay indoors has worked very well for us so far. Oh, and I, I had to struggle hard, Andy. You know, as a gamer who likes to sit at his computer, staying indoors has been really tough. Oh my God, you're so unique. I I, I had to sacrifice <laughs> for the greater humanity. <laughs> I, I will I will await your applause. Okay, keep waiting. Anyway, let's get back to to your side of the apocalypse. Yes. So for 20, 28 days later, twenty eight days later, what have you done to survive the apocalypse? So I'm initially, I'm assuming we're at a point where things aren't breaking down yet. It's still early enough. I'm going to start hoarding books and printing out as much information on the internet as possible. Once the internet's down, that's it. You're not getting that info back. I, I don't know everything. I'm going to see, I don't know how to grow food. I don't know anything about medical. I know how to build stuff because I'm an engineer. And even that, 
It depends on what I'm building. I'm going to the internet. I'm looking up for this. If I have broken bones, we were talking about this. How do I do this with broken bones? What can I do? If I have a dislocated shoulder, if I have an infection, if I have a cut, I'm printing out all this information, paper, paper, paper. I have it forever. <laughs> Books. I'm going to the library. I'm also going to the library, but I'm going to a <laughs> suburban to rural library. And I'm going to take out a book. I'll return it in the future. Probably not. And I'm going to start hoarding all these books because there's a finite number of books out there. And then what I'm also doing, I'm stocking up on those long-term goods, non-perishables, warm and not warm clothing, batteries, because once the power grid goes down, batteries are the last form of power. I'm starting to stock up and I'm starting to stock up on some weapons. But I'm talking things like baseball bats, wrenches, knives, reusable weapons. Guns can come later because the way I see it, we don't have that many zombies yet. Guns are good for quick kills to mow down hordes of zombies. We're not looking at hordes yet. If you just take a baseball bat and the skull of a handful of zombies, you can do that. If you have a knife, remember, yeah, I'm not gonna tell you where to stab people with a knife, but I did learn from The Walking Dead what area to aim for of the skull, where it's softest. The temple. knife will keep- Yes, zombie apocalypse, <laughs> aim for the temple. It's the softest part of the skull. If you try to go in from above, you're gonna get your knife jammed. You don't wanna do that. This is slowly becoming I a serial- I know how to kill a person. This is slowly becoming- a... We're becoming a serial <laughs> killer podcast, Andy. Let's just be real here. Oh no! I totally didn't expect this. Oh no, now we just have to pivot. No, we're coming back. So that's my- Pivot! Pivot to serial cars. So anyway, no, 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 no. That's my plan. And then I am currently also in a city. I'm in Austin, Texas. I, it's not a big city, but it's a city. And like I said, I want to get out. I'm going to Google Maps. I'm looking not only where are there some immediate farms around me, I'm looking at all the lakes. I'm trying, where are my freshwater lakes? Because water, humans can only survive, what, 72 hours without water? You're going to need water. Food, water, shelter are the most important things. And yeah, if I'm like feeling, I, oh, I'm sorry, ahead. I think I think the three, the if threes, I think I'm trying to say, the threes are three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, three weeks without food, three months without what? I, I don't know what the three months are, but that might be like social interaction or something. Exactly. So the, you need you need food. Oxygen, uh, this is an inhalable virus, so we don't have to worry about, do I need an N95 mask? Food, water, shelter are going to be the most important things for my immediate survival. You might be saying, well, what if you get bit by a zombie? That might happen. The odds of me what's it called? Not suffocating to death. Um, what's it called when you don't get enough water? You blank to death. Dehydrate to death? No, you, you're you dehydrated. You, uh, oh crap, wait. What is the word I'm, when you don't get enough water and you die? Dying from dehydration. You, yeah. de you quite literally dehydrate to death. That's probably going to happen because there aren't many zombies yet. The food, water, shelter. I want to find Ooh, these farms. I found a better word. I found a better word. Terminal dehydration. Terminal. I'm terminally dehydrating to death, Andy. I'm literally oh, dying out here. Death. Terminal means death. I'm terminally dehydrating out here. All right. Oh, my God. Speaking of terminally dehydrating, one second. So anyway. Uh, it's okay. I got uh, my whiskey here. It's fine. Mm. Uh, hydration nation anyway that I was way too loud of a of a nice sound for drinking water <laughs> uh, i <laughs> i was gonna say something that water is the greatest have you never had water before anyway have you never had water i would guy for those of you who had never had water this is my official endorsement you have the deadly showman's official endorsement of water have you seen that meme where it's like the two water parts of like a like a soda fountain where you would normally get like Pepsi or High C or you know in a McDonald's and it's like water versus water. <laughs> and, do you know what I'm talking about? Where like one of the 
<laughs> one yes. of them is just like standard and the other one's in italics and it has a curvy background and you say them differently in your heads and you're just like okay i guess i'll just take this lesson to heart exactly but we're getting so far off topic here final wrapping up this quick point water is fucking awesome back to the main topic i want to know where the farms are I want to know where the water is, and I want to know where the shelter is. That is away from my city. Within the first 28 days, I might even consider abandoning my apartment. We're going to pay a close eye to the news. How many reports are there? If we need to get out, we get out. And the goal is to find that farm where you're going to have food and water and shelter temporarily away. I want to be, see, here's the thing. I want to be away from people at the start of a zombie apocalypse. As few people as possible to start, then over time, we're going to recruit people. Yeah, I can see that. So, like... I understand your point of being away from people and then congregating, but I think there is power in numbers and, you know, power in having different mindsets and knowledge coming in. And so in your case where you're like, yes, I'll hoard in the library. I also think, yes, getting all that information from a library is super dandy, but there's something that is inherently instinctual and practical of having another person who knows what to do on hand. And especially with the, and I hate to say this, leaving behind people that are not fit for the apocalypse. As you're running away from zombies, you need some cannon fodder. And obviously in this situation, I would get so emotionally attached to these people that I would hate leaving people behind. It wouldn't work. But if I'm talking like super not empathetically, uh, having more people means more likely chance of me getting away from a bad situation. Uh, you know, I hate to say it. Uh, would I ever leave someone behind? I don't know. But if you're mm. if you're talking about like empath like non empathetically, statistically, if there's more people and you're faster than them, you're gonna get away. You know? Yeah, that's like that uh, spray, uh that little mantra. It's like two hikers come across a bear in the forest and it's gearing up to attack them. One hiker comes, goes down to pray to Jesus. The other starts tying his shoelaces. The first hiker says, what are you doing? Surely you can't expect to outrun that bear. To which the second hiker says, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. Exactly. That's it. I, I mean, I feel bad when I think about it in a hypothetical sense. But again, it is hypothetical. And zombies are fake. So I don't feel too bad about thinking about math, like, you know, safety and numbers. Exactly. You'll probably, this situation will almost certainly never happen where you'll have to decide, am I going to leave this person behind in a zombie apocalypse? I'm pretty confident of that. Oh, yeah. Um, but actually, this brings me back to a point that I was thinking of. So you want to go, like, hide away, find some rural farm areas so you can, like, hunker down. But that's only within the first four weeks. Now, I'm thinking of what my apartment looks like in Seattle and, you know, it's a pretty new apartment, but it, let's say that, like, pretty few people are there because, like, let's say it's COVID or let's say it's in the middle of the year. Maybe it happens in midday and no one's in their apartment. All of a sudden, if I just break down the walls and, you know, if there is a zombie on the other side, take my precautions, you know, do a little stabby stab through the hole in the wall uh, just to make sure I don't die. Um, I could have access to an entire other apartment's uh, supply of soup cans and all of a sudden I can survive an entire apartment complex for the foreseeable future. Like what, what's the harm in doing that if you're in the middle of a city? Ooh, I see what you, all right. So you're playing to, you're going to rob all these other apartments, which is fair or congregate yes. with people. I prefer robbing. Yes. And robbing is great. So every, the problem is we got that plan has a shelf life. Let's say, how far do you think you can, if, if let's say for some reason, everyone in your apartment came together or you were able to rob the majority of apartments. How long could you hunker down in your apartment complex? 
Okay, well, I as a person need 1,400 calories to survive every single day if I don't move. I am a tiny person. I hate that I only need 1,400 calories, but alas, that is my basal metabolic rate. If I take uh, this bistro soup that I have in my apartment, that's about 500 calories, I only need maybe two of them and a cookie, you know, to survive for the day. Uh, if I do that for the foreseeable future, let's say I need, I probably, to the I only need to survive, like, let's say two months, because by the two-month mark, waves would have happened, wouldn't you say? Like, something would have happened in the city, the military would have responded, either would have been bombed because I'm within the city, or the, the zombie horde would have congregated to downtown. Like, I don't think zombies would be going around in the northern part of Seattle. I feel like they would congregate to where more of the zombies land, which is, you know, in Pioneer Square area, which is the yeah. southern part of Seattle. All right, let's uh, see. Yeah, they're horde-driven where they want to be where the other ones are. It's like an animal. animals will congregate. It's like, ooh, there's probably food here. We should all congregate up. Let's go with that. They're not exactly. smart. They're not like going out searching for people, knocking on doors. They're congregating. So the, where the most people are is where the most zombies are. Exactly. And I want to bring up the second point because I just realized that Seattle is, you know, in the Puget Sound. Um, we have an entire water system right on hand where I can just sail out. So I feel like I would start. OK, so have you ever seen Hashtag Alive? It's a it's a new Korean zombie film, very similar to Train to Busan, except it's all based on like quarantine. So you should watch Hashtag Alive. Uh, it's based on quarantine principles, which I think are really relevant. And the main thing is that I'm not going to give you a spoiler, but being aware of where the people are that are alive in the city allows for like other like militaries or rescue teams to rescue the people that are still alive. If it's like sec if it's uh, secluded enough. And so in this case, after like 28 days or in the process of, you know, uh, figuring out what the new norm is in terms of survival, we have roof access. I would go up to the roof and make sure that, you know, I have binoculars, I have a whiteboard, I'd be able to communicate with other buildings in Seattle to see who's alive, what resources are there, what information is available, and then be able to come up with a plan to escape via water or via, you know, whatever. But the fact that we have access to the water channels means that we can do, like, uh, more than, you know, you probably could in Texas. That is true. The only water, I do have a river next to my apartment, but it's not exactly an escape route river. So it's like, I think it's like a damned river. So it's definitely not an escape route. You literally have the ocean, not the ocean next to you, but you have like very good waterways that'll get you out of Seattle. But you have definitely, right. you staying in the city gives you more escape options than if I stayed in my city. Right, yeah. And I feel like because we have immediate access to the pier, we would have like an Indiana Jones moment of having to go through downtown Seattle with all the zombies happening. But as long as we get to a pier with a boat, we'll be able to get out to the Pacific and, you know, go along the coast until we find a place that, you know, is quarantined enough from the zombie apocalypse. So I think we both have good for where we are. Both of our 28-day plans are good. You are not exclusively landlocked. You have many ways out of your city. You, you could probably stay there successfully. I'm a little bit more landlocked. Like Texas, like it's big, but there's not much. If It's either my city or there's nothing around me. So I, if I don't get out now, things could be problematic in the future. I might want to get out now ahead of time. So I think for both right. of our situations, we both have good plans. But let's really start fast forwarding now. That was 28 days later. 
in the spirit of this same movie franchise, where do you see yourself 28 weeks later? What do you want to get uh, done? Where do you want to be? What do you want to build? What do you want to set up? Hit me with it. Oh, man. Okay, so I know we wrote ours down in this nice Google Doc. Uh, you wrote more down than me, and I really want to hear what you have to say, Matt. I think that you have a lot to say about this, and I talk too much as it is. <laughs> you do not talk but, too much. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I went a little more humorous with this because I think 28 weeks later, that's what, seven months? Seven months down the line, you would have been through two other seasons. And at that point, you would understand, like, the hardships of winter, at least. Like, let's say it starts in the summer, you would be in the midst of winter. Fall, you would have gone through winter. Spring, you would have gone through the terrible heat of summer and trying to figure out how crops work. And so like seven months later, you know, 28 weeks later, you kind of be in the midst of figuring out how to survive. And I think ideally in this case, you would have ended up in a community. You would find a way to have protection uh, via shelter, via other people, via zombies, whether that be guns or knives or a militia, you would find a way to survive to 28 weeks. The main things that I want to see at 28 weeks are a type are many types of farms. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I want to have a animal farm. And by that I mean cows or pigs or lambs, something that will give me lasting sustenance in terms of like dairy or meat or, you know, crops via their manure, just like able to use animals as a product that festers my crops and also allows me to fill my plate with protein because protein is very important. Um, on top of that, like a vegetable farm so that we can have vegetables because fiber is very important. I would like to poop very smoothly in the apocalypse. I feel like constipation is not a stressor I want to have. So I would love to grow some celery uh, and uh, all the other types of plants I want. Uh, so I think a vegetable farm is very important. Um, and just figuring out how crops work at 28 weeks later would be, I think, pretty important. Because at that point, we'll probably be running out of soup We'll probably have to start growing our own, you know, food resources. And so if we want to survive, we'll have to like go manual if you want, if you know what I'm saying. I know exactly um, I, Yeah. Either that or figure out a rating system so that we can get non-perishable foods, which at that point, you know, if we're going at seven months later, a lot of the non-perishable foods would have either been taken or spoiled via, you know, being cracked open. So I think you can't really rely on non-perishables. The last thing, the last thing though, is I would want a zombie farm, Minecraft style. I want <laughs> to start mowing down the zombs and I want them to die. I want to have a funnel system where I can just go step, step, step and, you know, start doing my, my fair share to get rid of the zombies in this apocalypse. I think if we have a zombie farm, it would do nicely. No, and, that's and pro. That's I like that. That's being proactive, fighting back. Don't survive, fight back. I like that. Exactly. The last thing I can think of is 28 weeks later, I will want a hospital in reach. Now, I know that this is a little, I guess, uh, on trend with me as a guest on your podcast talking about women issues. But I just want to say in if you have like one of the things you have to worry about in the apocalypse, at least like um, when there's not modern conveniences of medicine or information available to you, you're really going to want a professional in a like the field. Specifically for women, you want a gynecologist, OBGYN, specifically to prevent pregnancies and to prevent 
uh, or at least uh, administer birth control contraceptives. At least in my case, uh, if I have like an IUD, which I do, I haven't had my period in two years. And that's great because in the apocalypse, I don't want anyone to be using tampons or pads because we could use those to suppress blood. We could use those as uh, medical wraps. We can use those as a supply. I think tampons and pads are amazing to use for medicine. Um, and they are also short in supply. So if you have a gynecologist on hand or if you have, you know, some someone to administer birth control or to find birth control, having a hospital on hand is super important to get that out there. And so that also means, uh, you know, it's the apocalypse. People are going to be people. You know, there's going to be no babies. There's going to be no zombie babies. There's going to be no zombie mummies. And uh, no one's going to die from trying to have a baby. Uh, I think babies are the worst part of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the zombies, dying from having a baby, like whatever plot, and I'm talking about you, uh, Walking Dead season three. Uh, spoilers, but spoilers baby. here. If you haven't seen The Walking oh, Dead at this point, oh, go oh, ahead. On. Uh, having a baby as a plot point in your zombie apocalypse fantasy is completely barbaric. There are modern contraceptives you should use to prevent pregnancy so that you can survive as a group and so that no one goes zombie postpartum. You get what I'm saying? I don't know. I think I think there's a lot to be said about the modern conveniences of contraceptives and plan B and planned parenthood that uh, allow for you seven months later to not have to worry about potentially ruining your love life via turning zom in the middle of birth. And I don't know, I just think there's, there's so much danger around pregnancy, uh, STDs, spreading of viruses that would be prevented with contraceptives. And like, if we're talking even about supplies, if you have an IUD or some type of contraceptive as a woman, you're using fewer supplies, you don't have to go out as many raids, and it's way less likely that you are going to die in the process of having to stop yourself from bleeding every few months, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, you can take that out of the podcast if you'd like. If no, squeamish, this but. is this is why I need you here because as a guy, <laughs> none of that is going through my mind. <laughs> I feel almost like a little bit of an asshole saying that, but like these are not things you're thinking of as a guy. They are not a part important. of. Yeah, they are. That's I literally don't even think about it. I literally look at my dog. Okay, so uh, just as like to make this more humorous, my dog, we spaded her. She's amazing. Her name's Bonnie. She's a cockapoo. She's 75% cocker spaniel and she's all curly and she looks like like the definition of a caramel dog. You know, she's adorable. She's beautiful. And she we had to have her go through one period before like one heat before we got her spaded because that's healthier or something like that. And like on a dog, it, you don't even think about it, but a lot of people put their dogs in diapers because it's just so messy. In like a woman's case, every single month, be like that amount of mess, that amount of, it, it's just so much to manage that if you don't have the supplies for it, not only is it inconvenient, it's not pleasant. And you know, people are going to want to stop that immediately. Like it's not going to be sustainable in the long run. So having some kind of gynecologist that's able to administer contraceptives that will prevent periods, like you can easily skip your sugar week and just take the next next week of birth control in its stead. And you save a week's worth of supplies. And that that's huge. Like optimization of supplies is key in the apocalypse, I think. And I think handling periods and handling contraceptives is the first thing. 
Yeah. If you're listening, I dare you to find another podcast that would talk about these subjects about the zombie apocalypse. I dare you to find it. I'm sorry, but I'm not very sorry. This is what I'm talking about. We are like that. Like we are looking like what happens. Like the world doesn't stop. The human body doesn't stop during a zombie apocalypse. People don't stop being people. Exactly. Exactly. And also, people don't stop being people. Again, babies. No babies in my apocalypse. I'm just saying. I like Get how like damn birth control. I mean, I think is the one thing zombie shows get like people just keep screwing. They don't. It doesn't stop. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Like, let's get some more. I don't know. Let's just get some more gay action. The zombie apocalypse. At least then we wouldn't have babies lying around. You know, we wouldn't have that concern. I'm just saying. Exactly, guys. Partner up. Find another dude. Let's do this. <laughs> Ladies, find another gal. Let's do this thing. No more babies. Everybody wins. No babies. No babies. Everyone like- wins. Actually, though, actually, okay, so moving on from the, you know, uh, more hospital, more hospital topic to a more hospitable topic. Uh, let's talk about children in the apocalypse before we move on to your 28 weeks later. What do children look like in the apocalypse? Oh. I haven't thought about this, but like toddlers or teenagers or, you know, I think teenagers can hold their own. Teenagers will gang up. There's actually a movie about teenagers in the apocalypse. I forget what it is, but it's on Netflix. You should watch it. Um, like anybody under the age of 10 in the apocalypse what will it look like all right so i think up before four years old nothing's going to change like babies don't stop being babies actually three-year-olds maybe a, a really intelligent like one of those gifted three-year-olds but before that point you're going to walk talk you're crying for if you want something you don't know how else to communicate in life it can't shut a baby up funny enough there are actually some movies that like there are people who like medicate the baby like they will put it to sleep so it will not cry I've seen that. I don't know where I've seen that, but I know that's a thing. But babies aren't going to stop being babies. I'm going to say between the ages of four and 10, you are teaching a child what to do if you face, like, if you face a zombie. Because here's the thing. You're trying to imagine a four-year-old where zombies automatically exist. Like if we were in that situation, I'd be like, if you could teach a four-year-old right now, you know, these are real things that are going to hurt you if you don't pay them close attention, you might be able to help them survive. They're not going to be able to help you. Again, here's a Walking Dead spoiler. If you want to skip, Judith is like a super like she's she's like a god, eight, nine, ten year old. She's a, a unique case. Most children are not that capable until they're teenagers. Kids are being taught how to survive, help the group, probably like what can be your job. Or if you have like a very good society, maybe they are going to school. But babies, they're not changing. Kids, they're being taught how to survive and contribute against this very real threat. That's my opinion. Then once you're a teenager maybe you're contributing more to like the protection you're like an adult much faster that's my take on it where do you see kids babies teenagers coming into play okay so i think you have to really talk about the psychology behind children in families and let's take let's take a child normally the the part of the child's life that they start understanding the world as a structure is between the ages of five and six. The way I, the reason I say that is because that's when they start developing the theory of mind. And that is, I have a theory that you have a mind. I have a theory that, you know, there are things happening around me that I can't control because not everything's about me. And I might have bastardized that, uh, you know, description. But the point is that, let's say like before the age of five, they you know, make believe is important. They think that, you know, their parents are something that's coming from their own person. The the children think that they kind of own the world almost. Yep. Um, I cannot, I, it's been years since I have studied family science, but that's kind of been the understanding I've gotten from it. 
But once they get to the age of five and six and, you know, they hear their mom saying, oh, I'm feeling bad because of this. Like, they understand, oh, my mom is her own person. My dad is his own person. Uh, you know, my friend is their own person. And I have to understand what they're going through. And so they start understanding empathy and sympathy, and they start understanding compassion. Uh, and that happens around the age of six. On top of that, personalities in children develop between the ages of, I think, seven to nine. And the only reason I know that is because of dissociative identity disorder, which is when you deal with trauma and you start thinking, the only way I can deal with this trauma is by being another person or another thing. And then your personality splits. It doesn't congregate. Normally between the ages of seven and nine, your personality start congregating and you start identifying as a single personality. Um, but in the case of dissociative identity disorder, you can split in order to deal with that trauma that you've experienced. And so in the case of the apocalypse, the zombie apocalypse would be that sort of trauma. So you potentially have some concerns with children going through some kind of psychological trauma in the apocalypse, which is why I don't think like having children deal with roles is entirely the story. I think that uh, if children were to be a part of the apocalypse, they would either be a liability or their growth would be um, like it would, there would be some kind of detriment to their growth. They, I think that the children in an apocalypse would be, uh, you know, a drain on the resource because they cannot put like, you know, contribute at all. And they're also consuming and they're also detrimental in their growth because they're not entirely um, grown as a person yet. And so I think that children in the apocalypse are a lot more difficult of a... Uh, character to play in, in the role, you know? And unfortunately, you can't get rid of that, though, because the entirety of humans is that we're compassionate creatures and we care for each other, including other people's children. And of course, I would never leave a child on the side of the street. I would never leave a child just to fend for themselves. And so I think that children are have a big role to play and that not only is it like us caring for children mean that we're compassionate creatures, but it's also... Uh, you know, a uh, catch, what is it, catch-22? I don't know. It's just like a, a double negative. It's double-edged sword where, you know, we care for children because we want children to be there because we love children. But, you know, they're not going to be healthy and sane in the process if the apocalypse goes on for too long. I don't know. I don't know how I got to that tangent, but, like, my TLDR is that children in the apocalypse is terrifying. I really don't want the apocalypse to happen if children are there because that is a psychological torment to happen to kids. And so I'd want to hide them away. Uh, and so if I were to be in the apocalypse and there were children there, I would just find a place to hunker down all the children with some school teachers and have them not know of the world Ooh, because that is so terrifying. That's bold. Listen, I'm going to traumatize. I'll be honest. If it's my vision, I'm traumatizing the kids. I'd rather they be oh. alive and traumatized than dead <laughs> and blissfully ignorant. Oh, my God. I mean, if they're blissfully. Okay. I think blissfully ignorant and then slowly introducing them would be better than to have them grow up hardened. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe I want them hardened by the world. I hadn't thought about children that long, you know, like yeah. I, I didn't really think about children, in the apocalypse, but that's like a huge contender. I think, I think the walking dead did it well, but I, maybe not well. They, they did it. Okay. Because you had Carl, he was very traumatized as a kid and they kind of hid him from the world, which is kind of where I was going with it. But eventually they had him develop as a character 
to you know be affected by these violent traumas and in the walking dead uh the way he's affected by these traumas is he gets shot in the eye spoiler alert which was also in the comics so i knew it would happen uh, <laughs> they had to you know start killing people start carrying a gun learn to shoot wear the hat like they they had him go through his monumental moments to show his like loss of innocence i'm not a kid anymore i'm not crying anymore my mom died so what <laughs> and it's just like like he he went through so much to develop from this kid character to a teen character to an adult character that uh but it was still a process that he had to go through imagine that with all of the kids that currently exist in the world that's that's so terrible and it's just so much to think about in the apocalypse See, we I didn't even plan this as a topic i'm so no, sorry <laughs> this is actually a pure tangent everybody like how do kids fit into the apocalypse Walking Dead would it well with Carl? I still feel like Judith is just, if you've seen any recent episodes, there's no way. She, like, she's a hardened kid who's like, I want to go out there, I want to fight, I want to carry the gun and kill all the walkers. Like, maybe, but child psychology is not going to change just because of a zombie apocalypse. Most kids want to play pretend, they want to grow, have fun, stretch their legs. It's you can teach them of the danger. Like, we teach kids we teach kids about dangers right now and they still don't always heed our warning. Like and with the zombie apocalypse, there's no chance to get it wrong. Like, um, you teach kids, like, don't do that or you're going to get hurt. They get hurt. They don't listen. They get hurt. They don't do it again. I'm not saying that's how sh kids should learn. God, no. Hopefully they get the message the first time. But kids who don't get the message. Actually, The Walking Dead sometimes does it well. You see these kids sneak out to mess with walkers. Like, haha, this is fun. This isn't serious. But if you mess up one time, there's no going back. So it is a, it is a rough life for a kid in the zombie apocalypse, I feel like. Yeah. Oh man, ah, oh, that's that's so much to think about. I'm glad I'm not a kid in the apocalypse. That's all I'm saying. I'm oh, glad uh, I'm an adult in the apocalypse. We're adults <laughs> in the apocalypse. I'm an Literally. adult. I'm an adult. <laughs> but uh, let's take teenagers. I feel like teenagers would do well in the apocalypse. I think they'd actually like teenagers now would fend well psychologically because they can deal with humor in a very sardonic way that it makes it a lot easier to get by, you know? Like, I'm talking about memes, man. I'm talking oh <laughs> like they was able to get by with just sheer, yeah, I'm ready to die, let's go. <laughs> and, you know, all of that humor would just, uh, you know, come to come to a point and help them survive, I think. I think uh, Gen Z, Gen Z is the the next generation of masteries. Gen oh Z, Gen Zers, they internalize their trauma and spit out pure comedic gold. Props to you guys, honestly. That's it. Props. I think we're millennials. We're both born uh, circa between nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, we're right? like tail end of millennial, beginning end of Gen Z. I think we would technically classify as millennials, though. Yeah. Oh, I think. I think I'm a, I'm a younger than you, aren't I? You are a little bit younger. I mean, I'm going to be 25 in about two or three weeks, so. Oh, happy birth. That's Thank great. You. Uh, wait, you're a January baby? Yep. Oh, this is off, off topic. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn for what it's worth. You're a Capricorn? Oh, man. Okay. That changes everything. I have no idea what that means. How about, how about your zodiac in the apocalypse? Aquariuses, you drown immediately. Cancers, good luck. Listen, uh, Leos, listen. I would, I, we would, I would form a communion with you, but our, our signs just don't match. We don't, we're not compatible. Our signs just don't match. <laughs> that person, they're, they're uh, the first one to go. And sorry, uh, uh, Libras can only carry AK-27s. I don't even know if that's a gun. <laughs> AK-27s. I think, I think Libras I can only carry AK-27s. 
I think I just took like a Japanese band and I was like, yeah, that's a gun. That's a type of gun. For, the, the real gun is called the AK-47. I Now yeah. I need to know, is there an AK-27? I like I to think there know. is. And only Libras can use them. Only Libras can use AK-27s. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's move on to, to what you think is 28 weeks later, because I, th- I think we've gone terribly off topic, but I want to uh, reiterate what I originally said. I want a cow farm, a vegetable farm, and a zombie farm, specifically a zombie farm so I can gain experience points, but also decrease the zombie population. I think that's very important. Again, also the side tangent of uh, women in the, in the apocalypse, we got to keep our supplies in handy, and thus we need a gyno or at least a hospital to keep us prepared. So th- that's my 28 weeks later, and I'm sure I have more, but Matt took them all, so Matt Matt, I would like you to take it away and say whatever your 28 weeks later is. Oh my God. I took so, I have so much stuff here. All right. You do. Oh my gosh. This is at the top of my list. It shouldn't be though, is that I want to start getting together some engineering resources. It is, you need to think about building long-term. You need these walls. You need elevated positions. That's the one thing. Like if you could just be higher up, the zombies will not reach you. The simplest solution in the world, just be taller than them. Or if you build the walls... <laughs> You need to structurally reinforce those walls. You need engineers. You need the tools. You need the equipment to save yourself. I'm also. I, mean, I guess. They're like, well, listen, walls don't just naturally exist. You need to put them there. I love it. Great. <laughs> Let's all move to China. Let's all move to. I want to move to the other side of the Great Wall of China. I'm safe from all the zombie Mongolians, guys. Let's I've done do it. it. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway, and oh, also, man. by this point, I'll have migrated to a permanent source of water because you might think, oh, I'm just going to go to a farm. That's the best way to do it. Incorrect. A lot of farms now are using sprinkler systems. <laughs> they, have, they are irrigated, but they're getting their water from a source. We need to go to that source. We need to be like ancient Egypt. They use the Nile River. Their farms were right on the Nile. Also, that water source is going to be our drinking water, most likely. So if you're not near a permanent source of water, the pipes are going to shut off eventually. The water treatment plants are going to shut off eventually. Need to be near that water. Also, I am now stocking up on bicycles, e-scooters, other renewable means of transportation because gasoline has a shelf life. Gas cars will work in the right here and now. So immediate transportation, moving large things like moving your livestock, like you load them into like those like carriers that'll take them somewhere. Moving livestock is not easy. So once the cars are gone, you need other ways to get around. Plus, bicycles are quiet. You can, like, unless you go to the bring, bring, like you can sneak around cities on bikes and move faster than zombies that are just shambling. Bring, 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 bring. Oh my god, you're just like going through the city. Bring, 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 bring. Come on, zombies. Oh my god, oh, what man. else do I have here? I want communication tools. Yes, 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 yes. So now, now I want to start putting more people around me. Initially, I don't want that many people to curb the spread. Now, though, the more pe- now there is safety in numbers. Now you need more people for two reasons. One, you got to fight these zombies somehow. Second, I'm looking to recruit as many trade professionals as possible. Doctors, farmers, welders for the engineers. And you know what I have on here that I don't think any zombie show that I've ever seen is considered? How about a veterinarian? Do you, you're, oh, 100%. Your yeah. animals are going to be key. Cows literally help plow fields. If your animals get sick, they are... They could pass that disease on to the other animals. Mad cow disease. I think that's a real thing. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) 
you you need like, uh, I'm, I'm, talking. I'm gonna google that i'm gonna google that hang on mad cow disease uh so i want to let you know the first google search autocomplete option was mad cow disease death toll i'm thinking it's real <laughs> bovine spongiform encephalopathy okay wait hang on bovine spongiform encephalopathy commonly known as mad cow disease is a neurodegenerative neurodegenerative disease of cattle symptoms include abnormal behavior trouble walking and weight loss later in the course of the disease disease the cow becomes unable to function normally so this sounds like it's only made for cows in which case matt i'm sorry you're gonna get mad cow disease Ooh, hashtag burn yes so you need those vets on standby you need to make sure your animals are kept for you also now you need a plan for unwelcome strangers listen I think the zombie shows and movies exaggerate how hostile groups are to each other. People, for the most part, are pretty collaborative. There are bad people in the world, but it almost always benefits you to work with other groups. It's very rarely oh. that you want to fight another group. It doesn't help. And and 100%, human, humans are a social creature. And I, I want to reiterate this. Any zombie film that post-apocalypse, post-zombies taking over has gangs teaming up and trying to destroy each other's you know property or reputation or land like any kind of gang of that gang activity is it, it sounds preposterous to me because humans are social creatures humans team up together and humans are empathetic compassionate sympathetic creatures and so like it doesn't make sense that people are ganging up on each other. Instead, it makes more sense that people corral together to fight this necessary evil. And so I 100% I, I agree with you there. Yep. So you're always, there's always going to be a handful of bad people. That doesn't change. But for the most part, you're not going to see major group conflict. But you still need a plan for new people. You need to make sure that they are not going to be a toddler who just takes resources from the community. That That's not going to fly anymore. You need a job. You need to do something to contribute. You don't need to be a doctor or even a trade professional, even if it's just something as simple as we need someone to keep stock of inventory. That that has to be someone's job. Even if that might sound dumb, like it's almost communism. Like, why does he get the same amount of food for doing that, and I'm the doctor and I get the same amount of food as him? It doesn't matter. Everyone just needs a role in the apocalypse. Communism wins in the apocalypse, <laughs> and then. I also have, you need to start getting creative about where you're going to get your supplies. You might think, I want medication, let me go to a hospital. Yes, that could work, but they're probably going to be ransacked. That's probably ground zero for infection rates. I have an alternative. What about med schools? They probably have many of these medications on hand to research them, or even laboratories like bio labs. They're going to have these medications on hand. Pharmacies also work. Think outside the box is what I'm saying for 20 weeks later. Where are you going to source all your goods from? Don't just be... I want drugs from my hospital. I want food from the grocery stores. Ransack the 7-Eleven. Go for it. It has so much there. Don't sleep on it. Uh, then also, this is the player I'm starting to put together my anti-zombie gear and weapons. I'm talking barbed wire and razor wire. I want spike traps. I want duct tape, thick clothing, literal <laughs> armor. I'm talking literal strap on some body armor. Let's go do this thing. Because this is where... I think it maybe is too early to start hunting them down, but I think this is a good place to pivot. Maybe like we debated, do we want to include 28 months later? But this, we were talking about this earlier about how people think the zombie apocalypse is the end all be all. There's no coming back. Not really. Andy, you want to take this first? Because I think you know a little bit better than me that 
You can end the zombie apocalypse the old-fashioned way by killing them. Take it over. Take it over. Oh, man. Okay, okay. I sent this to you earlier, but I found a Reddit post, and I just want to read the Reddit post. Uh, This is uh, not by a user that is listed in the JPEG, so just find this online if you can. (laughs) But basically, if you start out with, like, let's say, America, and we have about 300,000 people in America, and if we take the zombie apocalypse... no, no, no. We have, like, 300... No, we have... Uh, sorry, 300 million. Millions. Oh, my God. I meant 300 million. So, sorry, I'm starting this off so terribly. But let's say we have 300 million people in America and the zombie apocalypse happens like uh, 99% of the population are now zombies. So that means that there's about 3 million survivors. So if we take those survivor groups... And uh, let's say we come together in like 20 people. Uh, that means we have about 150,000 groups. And if each person kills about 10 zombies a month, then that is like 200 zombies killed a month per group. And if you take uh, over 12 months, that's like 2,400 zombies dead per year. Now, I know there's a lot of numbers, but essentially, if you count 2,400 zombies with 150,000 groups, that's over 300 million dead zombies a year. So the zombie apocalypse would be over in a year if we all killed and did our due diligence of destroying 10 zombies a month. Just do your role, America! It's actually like you think about like, yes, more people are going to get bit and be infected, but let's say you are a capable human being. I know that might be a stretch for some of you listening. I'm insulting the (laughs) listeners, Jesus Christ. I said it, I said it. Being a capable human being is a stretch for some of y'all, but no. Let's assume you're just a half capable human being who understands that I need to stab it in the head before it bites me. I like to think you could get through maybe a hundred zombies, assuming you're not getting hoarded, before you maybe go down in the line of fire. If every like yeah. if every group just starts hunting them down, and like yes, you have Canada and Mexico, so you're gonna have some spillover. But like, let's extend this to Canada and Mexico. Fuck it, the population just do that. This is over in a year if you just start hunting them down and you play your like you do things correctly. You can See, stop like- the zombie apocalypse. Like, I just want to reiterate here, I did say zombie farm. If you start making your Minecraft-style zombie farm, where you corral all of them in via sound, via flashing lights, etc., you just corral them into this little death chamber, and you just go stabby-stab across the heads of all the zombies, you can get through a ton a day per person. You can get through 100 a day per person as long as you have, like, a good source of income and you have a good source of, you know, death. (laughs) Then you could totally kill all of the zombies in your immediate area. Now, the problem becomes when one of them fails. If if you fail even once in your zombie farm, it almost in certainly means immediate death, in which case vacate the area, move somewhere else, change your name, uh, dye your hair. <laughs> you assume know, a new identity. Assume a new identity. Cautious effort, but death to at least 10 zombies a month, fill out your quota. Uh, zombie apocalypse is over. Exactly. So my 28 months later plan, which is about two years, at this point, let's assume we've all made it. We've got established drinking, agriculture. We're bringing in new people. Food is not an issue. Water is not an issue. We have supply routes. Medication is not a major issue. Maybe we have a few newborns. They're not a major issue. We have a decent sized community. Babies are always an issue. What are you saying? Okay, babies are an (laughs) issue, but we don't have that many babies. They're not a major headache. Just play your cards right. Kill a couple zombies every, like kill 10 zombies, what, per month was it? 
10 zombies per person per month. Per month. Think about that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, for just the low, low price of 10 zombies per month, you could end the zombie apocalypse in the arms <laughs> of the angels. Do you think that was crude enough to not get copyright striked? I like to think so. Oh, 100%. I, I 100% think yes. So that's my 28-month plan. We're now fighting back. Like, we're coming across communities. We're explaining our plans. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, we're, we're starting to kill them off slowly. Like, I showed them my map. Like, this is how many we've killed. Like, let's just crunch some numbers. If you guys joined us, crunch some numbers. We A have... little PowerPoint presentation. Exactly. I just boot up my Mac. I boot up my Mac. Yes, it's still working. And I attach it to my projector that's also still working to the whiteboard. Uh, if you take a look at this slide here, if I just- oh, I'm sorry, this, uh, I, if I refer to the meeting notes here, I thought it was slide 27. Oh, uh, you're like, Jerry, God damn it, Jerry. <laughs> yes, that oh, is my plan. We're fighting back. We're going to end, my plan is to end the fighting zombie Fighting back apocalypse. with PowerPoints. Fighting back, yeah. fighting the zombies back with PowerPoint. Microsoft, by the way, if you're in need of a sponsor, Hit us up. Oh, we're here. We're, we're here. here. We're I'm here. Ready. I'm, I'm ready. just saying, the official, the, official, the official software of the zombie apocalypse sounds pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, so like 28 whatever later, uh, we have a defense plan against the zombies. And also, let's talk about the decay rate of the human body. Like, thank I'm you. pretty sure. Thank you. I'm pretty sure after a year of walking around in not only every single season, but like, like if you think about it, you go through the heat, you go through the winter. And those are the two seasons I'm talking about. Like you go through melting and freezing and then melting and freezing and melting and freezing. You just go, you go through the, you go through the cycles. And after a while, your body's just going to start falling apart with the weather, like water erosion, dead animals, like, or not dead animals, animals eating the dead, like, uh, you know, zombies are going to start deteriorating and not be able to walk anymore and not be able to be a problem. Exactly. I don't, in The Walking Dead, these zombies, they're not, the walkers, they've been walking around for years. It's not practical. Like, the idea that, like, this, let's say this virus, if you eat people, you sustain the body. Cool. Or let's say the virus is somehow super magical where it, like, can take 100% of your source food and it can uh, make your skin 100%. The skin is going to, if you walk around through the cold and the snow, your skin is going to like literally drip off the bone. You're in water. This, your body's not meant to live that. It can't do it. The reason you need shelter is because your body will fail. Your organs need to keep working. Your brain needs to keep working. There's no virus on earth that even a zombie virus, let's be practical here. You need, the brain needs oxygen to keep working. Let's say like that is just a fact, the way it's designed. Let's say the virus... This is new brain cells. They still need oxygen and they still need all the, they need ATP, sugars, carbohydrates to keep working. If you don't get those things, the virus needs to live somehow. Even like viruses inside our body, if you just stopped eating and drinking, you would die. But so would the virus. Like, obviously don't do that. There's no way the bodies live this long. It's not possible. They're just going to naturally die off eventually. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's going to die off. And I think it's also, let's talk about how the human body fights viruses. Eventually, we would be exposed enough to this virus. Uh, maybe I'm not scientifically proven enough or I haven't like dove into this, but if you get small increments of the virus, small exposure, you'll develop antibodies. And if, if the virus doesn't mutate, all of a sudden 
you are not able to contract the virus. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, Matt. Mm, it depends. So the reason that works is because your body is able to fight off the initial virus and then it makes the antibodies. Right. If it can't fight off the initial virus, though, like it might learn. It's only like, um, try to think of a, like the flu. Your body, right. there are people who do die from the flu every year. Their body learns how to fight it. But if they die before they can fight off all the current virus, it doesn't matter if you've learned. And that's kind of what goes into the zombie apocalypse. The issue is also humans are a unique species in that we don't genetically pass down virus protection. So when you are a fresh human pops out, they don't know how to fight polio. They don't know how to fight the common cold. They don't know how to fight. um, Let's say let's not even the vaccinated things. The common cold, you get infected, your body learns how to fight it. Depending on the strain, you might be cured. A fresh baby comes out. Even if you as a person learned how to fight that cold, your offspring does not know how to fight the common cold. There are some species that do pass down the ability to fight viruses and infections as they go. That makes them kind of unique. We do not do that. So that's why I think you wouldn't ever be able to build. You could have a mutation that makes you immune to the virus. Now, that would be interesting. And we'd probably be talking for another hour if we go down that route. (laughs) But standard human will not know how to fight this virus and probably will die before it can learn how. Right. Oh, man. But I think I think that there's a lot of... Actually, this brings me to another topic. So we're all talking about, like, how you, you're humans, you're surviving 28 months later, you know, you just... You've gone through the ropes, it's two years later. But what is the government, what is the military, what is the CDC, uh, Center for Disease Control, done to, you know, combat this virus? I feel like if... 80%, which is what the number we're going with, has you know taken over the zombie, like zombie apocalypse happened, 80% of the population is done for. Um, the other 20%, though, I feel like that's enough to, you know, have people working on the virus, uh, you know, anti-vax, or sorry, <laughs> anti-vax. No, we're not anti-vaxxers, no. Uh, the vaccine for this virus and antiviral, if you will uh this entire time so like will we see a vaccine for the zombie virus in those 28 months i also again it's it's still the body operating create a virus that spreads through the air like uh maybe it's a little dangerous but like if you create something that attacks this virus or attacks a dead human body let's say something that has to be transmitted through the blood rings and you just like inject one zombie with it now that zombie's body is going to decay just make sure you don't infect a real human with it the human body has its limitations. If you break down the, the zombie body, which is still the human body, it's going to die. So you don't need to go around shooting them all when you could just literally release a plague into the zombies and they'll just naturally die amongst themselves. Exactly. Like, could you find a cure? Not always. We don't have a cure for every virus. But here's the thing. If you don't care if the host survives, it becomes a lot easier to kill the virus. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, if we didn't care whether people lived or died, there would be no more virus. I'm just saying. Uh, that's, a dark, that's a dark take right there, but it's also a truth take. Zarbamba? <laughs> Zarbamba? Question mark. I, I don't think you understand. That's an inside joke between my brother. Because one time I was asking him, yo, what bomb should I drop on New York? Hypothetically in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, and he was like, uh, Zarbamba? <laughs> Which is the largest bomb ever created for those who are listening. Yes. Uh, Zarbamba? <laughs> that's like uh there i know like you could set a computer to like uh figure out a solution but sometimes if you don't give it boundaries it'll be like cure this disease it'll return Zar- it will literally return zarbamba if, that's yeah! the, if the only condition you give it is cure the disease it'll tell you to kill everybody because that's the most efficient way to cure it 
Uh, okay, so we found our answer to the zombie apocalypse. It's death. Death. Just kill everybody. Honestly, it's not. You're not wrong. The zombie apocalypse is over, but that's because everybody's dead. Oh man. So so the TLDR is that. If you don't survive the apocalypse and the hot, like the professionals don't survive the apocalypse to help you survive past the apocalypse, you're probably not going to survive the apocalypse technically. Oh, man. Okay, this went super morbid. Do not include this. If you do, okay, great. I'm so happy. But also, <laughs> just like, zombie apocalypse doesn't sound fun. That's all I'm saying. What I've come to is the realization that, like, Unless there's some civilization that's alive at the end of the apocalypse that's able to block out the rest of the zombies and have a controlled zombie population depletion plan, then, you know, you're not going to have a normal. You're not going to have the the society that you used to have afterwards. I feel like a lot of the motivation is we need to get back to normal. Uh, you know, destroy all the zombies and get back to your Wi-Fi. But that's not going to happen in the apocalypse. And, you know, it's a sad thought, but I think that that's like a lot of these stories don't touch on the aftermath. They just touch on the action parts. And that's not very educational in my opinion. I would love it if the walking dead, just one more seat. They're never, I don't think they're going to cure the virus, but a zombie show. The last season is not, they've ended this, like they've survived. It's the zombie apocalypse is over. What does life look like beyond this point? Because there is not, I've yet to play a single game show, see a movie where the zombie apocalypse is they beat it and you like completely beat it. There's not like, oh, there's this one remnant left over. And that's the reason it starts saying like, it's completely beat. And here's what life looks like afterward. I've yet to really see that show. I'm curious what that looks like. What does the world look like after it's completely collapsed and now it's trying to come back again? No, that's interesting. I feel like there'd be like a fight for power and... I actually had this discussion with my friend while we were, you know, you know, figuring out what I wanted for the book. And one of the things is that, like, uh, you know, post-apocalypse, you all have your roles. But on top of that, it's just you got to start living life again. And if you've killed all the zombies, you've kind of already figured out a hierarchy. So whoever was in power when, you know, you overthrew the zombie apocalypse will remain in power. And so I feel like any kind of form of government or structure that happens afterwards would be based on the contingency plan for destroying the zombie apocalypse. Uh, and I think that's pretty much like how war happens, if you think about it. You know, what's our plan afterwards? Yeah, What I, happens I, when we survive? You know, it's funny. I think that's exactly how things would go is that let's say we killed off pretty much all the zombies as far away from them. Like, we killed the most of them off. People are going to try to clear like, I'm in charge now. I'm going to lead us back. And let's say you have maybe a couple thousand people under you, but then maybe, I don't know, three to 400 miles away is another guy with a couple thousand people under him. I don't really foresee that going well. That would be a good, that's where the fighting would start. Not when we're fighting the zombies, but after the zombies are over, that's when we'd fight each other. That's where we would fight each other, yes. Not during the apocalypse, but after the apocalypse. And then on top of that, let's go back to modern conveniences. One of the other things that I brought up with my friend is that, you know Wi-Fi, you know internet, you know how we have the World Wide Web? It's all based on servers and server farms. And if we don't have servers powered by electricity, then we don't have those domains. And so if you think about Google, let's take every single google.com server 
if all of those servers are down, we don't have Google search. We don't have Google. We don't have a way to access all of this information. And so we're going to need to hook up to a bunch of servers in order to get one laptop accessing all of this data. And let's say it's like the Amazon shopping cart for electronics. Like, like it's going to be useless information. So either we need to find where Wikipedia keeps their servers and make that a sacred haven <laughs> that you have to get to in the apocalypse or or you, you can't really do much so we need to identify where the servers are and keep those as sacred places uh and then post-apocalypse find a way to get them back online so that we can have the history of the world uh retained at least online yep. i think I, that that's like the big idea this is the show i want now zombie apocalypse zombie apocalypse ends building the world back what does that look like after the zombie apocalypse if anyone's hbo if you're listening make that show let's do it <laughs> let's go hbo reach out we'll, we'll partner up on this yes me and my zombie book uh, I'll, I'll write it i swear that's it that's your sequel that's the sequel to that the is it is it is they just have to find google search <laughs> the search for google the search for google oh man you did it oh shit okay that's actually a really good idea that's i think know what I think that's what we're calling it. I think that is the highest note you could possibly go out on. Beautiful. Thank you for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always good having you here. I honestly think you're going to just become like the permanent third chair. I really do. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, is this like my trial? I, I made it past the second trial. So I, I would say, honestly, you survived the first podcast. You survived. It. <laughs> it's not about a test. It's about can you survive? And you most certainly, you've not survived. You've thrived. I've thrived. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So to close the podcast out again, it's shameless plug time. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Matthew, a.k.a. The Deadly Showman. Uh, in case this is your first time listening, this is actually a gaming podcast normally, but we're talking about a bunch of other topics here. If you'd like to see any of my content, you can find me on YouTube. I am The Deadly Showman. I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Deadly Showman. Uh, I have a Twitch. I'm The Deadly Showman on Twitch, though I haven't done too much of that. I want to try to do it, but I'm too lazy to try. Also too disheartened <laughs> to look at the number zero next to my viewer account during my whole stream. Hey. Tear runs down his face, but no, no, no. We'll see. <laughs> that, that can be in the future. And then Andy, shameless plug time. Shameless plug. Uh, I only have a Twitch right now. It is Rocket Lines, R-O-C-K-E-T-L-I-N-E-S uh, at twitch.tv. Um, and I swear I'm going to make my Twitter and YouTube afterwards. Uh, so watch out for me there. All right. And I think ladies and gentlemen, that is it. I hope you enjoyed the zombie podcast episode edition. I think we're going to try to do a few more like these, not necessarily zombies, but just topics that don't even pertain to gaming because they're so much fun. They're so silly to think about. And it's just a whole new way to like use your brain. Wait, next time, can we do vampires and or something like that? Some other folklore thing? Oh, you're going to have a lot of info about vampires. You're going to have to carry (laughs) that one. You're really going to have to carry that one if we do that one. I was 13 when Twilight was out. Let me tell you. I was also 13 (laughs) when Twilight was out, Andy. And look at me. (laughs) We're the same age. I forgot. (laughs) All right. But I think, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Rise and we will see you in the next one. See ya.